0: Welcome back. This is the Northern Miner Podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Keeble, coming to you in studio from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. And as always, we are brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance please surf over to the Yukon Mining Alliance website and check out all the great mining and exploration activity going on in the Yukon Territory. Uh, So this is uh, our post-Thanksgiving long weekend edition, uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, So everybody's probably maybe a a notch looser on the belt buckle, a little hazy-eyed from the tryptophan, couple glasses of red wine with the family and friends we hope you had a great long weekend and we're going to get right back into it i got a great episode for you this week uh as always we'll uh, pop into leslie's geology corner this week we'll be discussing the ring of fire in ontario's james bay lowlands we'll talk about geological prospectivity social issues government infrastructure and all that fun stuff um but first Let's get into our macro. Global markets were, uh, let's just say mixed to start sort of this shortened post-holiday week. Uh, European uh, markets were we're essentially flat um, we've seen some earlier weakness there and the big th- theme i should say we're seeing coming out of europe right now is sort of a rising fear of the hard brexit quote unquote uh this has had a notable headwind on sterling uh meanwhile the big uh sort of narrative we're seeing coming out of the us and we've been talking about this i don't know for how long now i don't want to know um but um the uh the chance of an interest rate hike um the dollar us dollar rose to its strongest level in almost 11 weeks it Advance against against all of its 16 major counterparts. Um, Federal Bank of Chicago President Charles Evans uh, Evan said policy may well be changing soon. Um, uh, future prices now signal the odds of a rate increase by December have climbed to 68% as of Monday. That's from 61% a week earlier. So we are looking at probably, I would say, <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a U.S. Federal Reserve interest hike rate hike by the end of the year and that's had a, a pr- obviously as we mentioned a predictable impact on gold um also uh precious metals have followed. so silver was trading at $17.47 per ounce at the time of recording uh meanwhile base metals are well we're relatively flat copper is trading at $2.18 almost 19 cents per pound uh oil is has uh, continued to do well off uh, off the buzz rumors of uh potential um uh, OPEC addressing over supply concerns uh, WTI was at $50.86 Per barrel at the time of recording So we've seen a little bit of strength there um, And yeah so that's pretty much where we've been Going on as far as Macro is concerned again we're still Watching obviously the US Federal Reserve Interest rates Brexit uh, sort of the same Themes we've been uh, chewing on For about th- uh, what has it been Five or six months now um, But uh, yeah so that's sort of where we're sitting as far As macro is concerned to start this short week Uh, A couple other uh, housekeeping items Uh, I think, well, uh, major uh, sort of headline news items that have uh, the the need to be updated Um, One of the things we had been watching uh, over at the Northern Miner Bureau is uh, Gold Corp uh, has had its penasquito operations essentially suspended since late September um, after a protest from local residents and some um, uh, truck drivers and uh, employees um, uh, demanding uh, more jobs, compensation for uh, 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 supposed environmental damages uh, and clean water concerns. Um, we had a report come out from Reuters that said uh, a government mediator, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, uh, said Goldcorp has promised to renew contracts, um, expand its health services, um, add, uh, some more infrastructure to nearby cities, and study the water and uh, an air issue to, uh, to to look for uh, alleged contaminations. So we have seen that uh, that Goldcorp. Hey, it's back in action at Penasquito, so that's one of the uh, one of the things we've been watching. Uh, the other thing we have been watching is the uh, the ongoing mine audit in the Philippines, which uh, we saw. Uh, I think it was around September twenty sixth, twenty seventh, um, that uh, the Filipino uh, Filipino government had again come out and said they were they were looking at suspending an additional 20 mines. Um, this obviously impacted nickel, uh, prices. Uh, um, they've been up nearly, I think 21% year to date nickel prices have, um, and, uh, some of the, um, Issues we've been dealing with from our end um, Is uh, the two miners that were named On the most recent uh, Philippines mining audit Were B2 Gold and Oceana Gold uh, B2 Gold op- operates the Masbati mine in the country And meanwhile um, Oceana Gold operates the Didi Poto mine uh, Both companies have come out and said They do not believe their mines will be suspended That they will be able to um, address Any sort of government concerns about the, uh, the operations and one of the interesting things um, I have spoken with uh, Clive Johnson from B Two Gold, and I hopped on an Oceana Gold conference call, and and one of the things the companies make a huge um, point of stressing is that the things that the Filipino governments are uh, officials are saying is that they want mines operated to the standard of let's say Canada and Australia. They have specifically named uh, the countries they want mining standards that are similar, um, to those countries. And one of the, the points that, um, both B2 Gold and Oceana Gold's management have made repeatedly is that they already operate their mines to a, uh, a standard, um, in line with both Australia and Canada. So they believe that, uh, though that may have some impact on nickel operations, um, depending on, on who obviously the operator is, um, some of the, uh, the top uh, nickel uh, ore producers, Nickel Asia Corp and Global Faro-Nickel Holdings were also named in the report. So, but uh, but for the purposes of, of what we're discussing here, yeah, uh, both B2 Gold and Oceana Gold have communicated either via press release or otherwise that they believe their minds uh, should be uh, able to meet the, um, the uh, conditions uh, supplied to them by the Philippine government. So that's uh, sort of just a quick, uh, quick hit on some of the uh, news and notes around the, uh, the industry and uh, the global econ- economic picture. Um, but for now, uh, let's get right into the geology corner. I want to get uh, Leslie on here. We're gonna talk uh, talk ring of fire and uh, b- bikinis <laughs> surprisingly. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna run this uh, we'll get we'll get this uh, this kicking and I will uh, I'll join you on the flip side. And here we are again
1: again at
0: leslie's geology corner the more you know <laughs> the more you know keeping everyone informed on geology uh so we're back again and just as a, a quick intro up uh, uh, I was going to say we were continuing our journey across Canada, but we started with West Africa with some Archean gold. Or uh, yeah, or, well right. in Ontario we in started. Our, yeah, Por- yeah, exactly. And then we did some Quebec? Ontario uh, and Quebec, um, and now we're doing something I'm really excited about because this is something I'm actually interested in hearing about and maybe asking some questions. Is uh, uh, is the Ring of Fire? A, yeah, yeah, like the Johnny Cash song. Yes. Um, and uh, so this is uh, – people are in Ontario are intimately familiar with this region because there's been some uh, – a bit of uh, chatter at the provincial government level about possibly a billion dollars worth of infrastructure spending, which never really happened. Um, and then also um, – Cliff's Natural Resources, rather abrupt exit from Canada. Yes,
1: exit stage left.
0: Yeah, with, with all the chromite assets, which are now with Noron Resources. Yes. Also, we want to point out we are not in swimwear when we were talking about this.
1: Oh, okay. So Matt is referring to <laughs> a very controversial YouTube video of KWG Resources, mm-hmm. which had a woman in a bikini explaining about the... Ontario's Ring of Fire, which of course I took a lot of personal offense to, mm-hmm. and I was kind of half hoping that uh, Matt was going to come to this podcast today in a, <laughs> in a bikini himself.
0: This would be sweet. It would be like a postmodern Foucauldian critique critique on sexism. It's like it's like flip it right around. It's like if a man does it, it is. Anyways, this is all from my postgrad <laughs> stuff. But uh, no, we're not in swimwear. Well, we might be. They don't. But you, the listeners don't know because we are not yet a video show. It was some um, laughing water, but. Uh, uh, yeah, we don't want to even mean to make light of that because that's a, a rather sensitive oh, topic. Oh, I can't
1: even get... Don't even get... Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But, but it's a really here, exciting yeah. topic, nonetheless, anyway. Yeah. And it's great to talk about. That. Yeah,
0: and today, like, I, we're, we're here to talk rocks, not not uh, not bikinis. So... Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so let's dig into this because I, I'm really interested because it has been a hot-button topic, especially in Ontario. Um, and uh, you had a chance to talk to Noron Resources, but before we get to their specific... Uh, any specific projects. Let's talk about the region generally. Just the
1: geology. Okay, yeah. so this week, you know, geology corner, we're yeah. going to be jumping back 2.7 billion years and talking about liquid hot magma and how the blazes it helped form Ontario's Ring of Fire. So just a bit of a backgrounder. It's a relatively new metals district. It emerged in 2001. Um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Hey, it's covered in bogs. It's just James like Bay, wet. Lowlands. Yeah, it's James Bay Lowlands yeah. in Northern Ontario. So there's no real reason why Anybody had any reason to come in here and look except De Beers, who was, you know, being the remote diamond hunter. It was um, went out and started probing around some magnetic anomalies looking for kimberlites and found a VMS deposit in 2001. So by 2003, six more were discovered, followed by a magmatic nickel copper deposit at Noron's Eagle Nest in 2007, and that um, same in Blackbird chromite deposit in 2008. So, yeah, like Matt was saying, this whole area has been kind of tossed on the back burner, um, having been wrought with, like, obviously access issues and oh, First Nation yeah. issues and
0: the infrastructure challenges. Infrastructure are, 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 are extraordinary.
1: Yeah. So, and that's something that I'm going to cover in the article this week. So, I'm oh, not going to jump into that now, but do have a read in the article and see what is going on in terms of those angles. But in terms of the geology, you know, like all these deposits that have been found um, over the past decade follow along like this arc-shaped magnetic high, um, which kind of stands out in geophysical surveys. Okay. And it spans like 60 kilometers in diameter. Thus the name Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. Horseshoe shape. Yeah. So the high actually follows like a mantle-derived ultramafic intrusion. And that's been kind of like in place along the margin of this giant... Granitic Pluton. Okay. Yeah. Um so when I say ultramafic, I really kind of it's like this jargony term geologists use. Well it's not, it's a (laughs) science term. It's like scientific term.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I see it in press releases all the time. Okay. So chasing the ultramafics. If
1: anybody doesn't have a clue what this means in geology, we kind of like have a spectrum of igneous rocks that we classify. Ultramafic being like super magnesium rich sort of melts in the crust that require extremely hot temperatures to be melted. And then it goes into mafic, which is what you see in your volcanoes in Hawaii, which is more iron, magnesium rich. And then it goes into intermediate where you see your granite, well not your granites, but like intermediate rocks. So more iron, a little bit more silica. And then you get into your granites and that's called felsic and that's full of like silica. And some iron and all this like sweet so that stuff.
0: explains why it pops on geo on magnetics, right? The um, yeah, because the I, of yeah. course,
1: yeah. So yeah. like, there's gonna be some contrast there. Yeah. So anyway, that's a little like s- geology sidestep within a geology <laughs> sidestep. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so the rocks as a package, of course, belongs to Greenstone Belt that we always talk about yep. in Ontario and in Quebec. So you have the Abitibi, you have Red Lake, you have James Bay area, which is different, its own. Um, like, greenstone belts, which are these old, old, super old volcanic arcs that formed in the ocean, like, seriously, like, Indonesia, and then they all just slammed together into this melange, which I love talking about, because it's so cool. I see this movie play in my head of, like, the Archean, and, you know, Captain Picard and Q is over there in the corner looking at this, like, world, (laughs) and it's melted, and all these volcanoes spewing. It's, anyway, rad. You have to be in my head right now. So that was kind of happening. And um, But at some point, what's really unique about this specific greenstone belt Mm -hmm. up in the James Bay Lowlands is that it happened to have this big iron formation that was deposited probably in some sort of back arc, like basin, sea thing. Okay. Okay? And so that's kind of unique for that sort of area. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, too, you had a lot of these ultramafic, that's that spin word again. There it is. There it is. So yeah. you had a lot of those ultramafic rocks that kind of like were coming up through. So you don't normally see that in other greenstone belts, where you see more orogenic gold stouts. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. Um,
0: so so do you, do you mind if I just quickly ask?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: What is the deal with the chromite then? Okay. Why is it? Why is it? Is it so pervasive? I guess in that specific area, or well, if that's the right word, or
1: well, this is the this is the question. So mm-hmm. this is where that iron formation comes into play, mm-hmm. right? So you have all these ultramafic dikes, which are super hot temperature. We're back in the Archean, so back then everything was like crazy hot. So you can reach those temperatures to have ultramafic melts kick around, okay. and so these dikes would like punch up through the crust, and they would like hit these iron formations, mm-hmm. and what happens is is that these hot melts would gobble up the iron formation and in doing so, like assimilate all of the sulfur and all the metals and all this like rich goodness stuff. It's kind of like tossing oil into water. Okay. Right. So suddenly you have this melt and it has this completely separate fluid of like sulfur. Yeah. Which is immiscible. Okay. And then all these like metals that are kicking around like chrome and PGEs yeah. and you name it. All of a sudden see oh look it's sulfur man and they go and like they latch on to the sulfur and then they form their minerals and. The minerals are super heavy and so they precipitate out onto mm-hmm. the bottom of the melt so as temperatures start to cool you start forming these blankets of chromite pge's etc etc yeah iron these... chromium oxide sure does
0: that sound right i don't, like yeah Sounds i've always been interested in this because it's it's, it's something that's very affi- um you hear so often in the ring of fire about the economics of chromite which i gather are not particularly great right now
1: no because um, but- it's usually used <laughs> as um an alloy in making yeah, steel yeah so yeah. with but with the ring of fire is um you know you had all the the chromite deposits up in the ring of fire like the big daddy mm-hmm. the Blackbird. Um, Each of them have about 30 million tons of 30 to 40% chromium oxide, okay? Which is actually like elephants in the chromium world. If you were to go to the Buschfeld, right, in South Africa, which is like the namesake in the chromium geology sphere – I mean, they have like 11 billion tons of this stuff, but grades that are similar to what you see at the Ring of Fire. So 30, 40% chromium oxide. Mm -hmm. So it's quite comparable. And considering that this is such a young district compared to the Bushfield, it is kind of serves, shows, demonstrates that the Ring of Fire is Of economic interest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, In a bigger scale, too. So that's what formed Big Daddy Blackbird. When we look at Eagle's Nest, it's kind of more similar to it's a nickel copper PGE deposit. Okay. Okay. So um, it's kind of similar to Voices Bay and Sudbury and some of the other magmatic sulfide deposits that you see around.
0: In terms of the mineralizing event. Yeah, Yeah. So this
1: one is like, it's all part of the same beast, right? Okay. But it's a little bit different in a sense such that they are more in feeder zones to these sills. And so they're more of these straight dikes, kind of cutting up through. Oh, cool. Okay. And um, they just had a different composition, I guess, in the melt. They didn't really quite hit the um, iron formation that you normally do see out there in the chromium deposits and stuff. But um, so the chemistries are going to be a little bit different. And they're still actually trying to figure out, like, you know, where does the nickel and copper come from? Where does the PGEs come from? Where does the chromium come from? And is it all from these iron formations or what? Like, is there a d- different, deeper source? Because, again, it's still a new district. And they still have to do a lot of work to figure it out. Many a Ph.D. Many a Ph.D. <laughs> and you know what? They're doing it right now. They've got a lot of people from Laurentian University working on it. And it's in their best interest, right? Yeah. So um, that's kind of pretty much the gist of it. Uh, Another little quick summary, the Ring of Fire, excellent potential for um, like magmatic nickel copper PGE deposits, excellent potential for chromium deposits that are comparable to Bushveld Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of grade, for example. And then you also have opportunity for VMS deposits, which you see elsewhere in the Greenstone belts, Um, for example, Kid Creek. In Ontario or Rouen? Rouen? Rouen Naranda. Rouen
0: Naranda.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't get everything right. Yeah, That's
0: fine. That's the beauty of podcasting. Yeah. We're going to be wrong sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but
1: yeah, so there's potential for that up there too. Uh, again, there is like some transportation, but there is access issues. There are First Nation discussions and involvements up there, and mm-hmm. that kind of like gels into this big story about the Ring of Fire. So, um, now you do did, check out the article because I do mention a lot And you, about this you,
0: stuff. you spoke with Noron with management. With, with Alan management? Coots. With Alan yeah. Coots. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, and um, just got off the
1: phone with him. Thanks, Alan. He was so stoked. <laughs> He's like, it's so amazing talking to someone who likes geology. I'm like, yes, let's keep talking. Yeah, <laughs> check
0: out the geology corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I was going to say, did, uh, did you guys get into more of a recent update on the negotiations and the socio political side? Did he give you kind of a. Little yeah. bit of an update on what's going on up there totally yeah I think it was, I know this is the geology corner but but being uh, the sort of the issues with the ring of fire I think it warrants a little bit of yeah of an update just because cool. it is it's one of the big issues up there for sure right
1: well neuron right now they're kind of like taking the approach where they have been spending a lot of the past like handful of years consolidating the district into their own main interest so mm-hmm. they, they basically own all of the deposits that are up there right now. And I think it's because if you have too many people up there um, each person, each company has to talk to each First Nations group and there's and, yeah, nine yeah. different First Nations impacted in this area. Um, it's super remote. The closest paved road is 300 kilometers away. Mm-hmm. Um, the nearest community <clears throat> there's all these like winter roads that connect the different communities nearby. Okay. Um, but that's only operable for like two months of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what happens is right now is that the premier of Ontario had sent a mandate Jasmine letter. Wynn. That's right.
0: Everybody in Ontario's favorite, I think, person right now. Oh, okay,
1: cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you're being facetious or not. But, um, so, yeah, she put out a mandate letter to the Minister of Northern Development saying basically make development in the Ring of Fire your top priority and make get this access or this road construction started by 2018, which dovetails with Noron's plan or basically need mm-hmm. to to get this road constructed um, in order to access their eagle's nest deposit which they want to kick off with production by twenty twenty. because
0: those aren't small deposits There they're big deposits, they're logistically complicated and yeah. they're
1: all going to go down like dominoes as soon as yeah. you get some sort of in- infrastructure in there so right now um Noron has asked the government in a statement to say okay well let's table this let's get this down let's get the first nations on like let's figure it out um but then of course two days later there was uh, martin falls first nations group came back and said yeah. you know no one has consulted us um there's so there's obviously some back and forth, some issues there. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's 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 so the, it's a little the bit road issue
0: is in discussion. It's isn't? still in discussion. Yeah.
1: And and when I was talking to Alan about it, he said, Well, all the First Nations guys are really excited. Mm-hmm. And because there's so many of them, nobody really knows um like how, it's just too many cooks in the kitchen, I guess, maybe. Yeah. If I were to put in my own words, where you have so many people saying, we want the road to access our community and our community there and there, 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 and it should look like this. So mm-hmm. basically what they're going to do is they want to sit down at the table and align this road and just say, this is the route. This shall be the way... And um, from there, just start worrying about like financing and everything. Yeah. Because it's about $600 million to make yeah, it's not a, that first mine. And that's yeah. excluding that's Eagle's
0: Nest the road. Of, yeah. Yeah. Which, finance. which, and, and I'm assuming the Chromate stuff is pretty much on the back burner as far as it's more of a strategic position at yeah. this point. Yeah. Well, they're going to, an go option, f- optionality as everybody.
1: Yeah. So they're going to start with um, Eagle's Nest and then I think they're going to move over to Blackbird.
0: And are they easier. doing uh, any work at Eagles Nest? Did you? Are they? They're doing year? some
1: exploration. Oh, yeah. exciting
0: to look yeah. for potential resource expansion and stuff like that. Or?
1: Yeah. To be totally honest, I actually didn't really talk to him about. No,
0: it. I mean when you're talking about the Ring of Fire, it ends they're up just talking. Yeah, about yeah. He keeps stuff about a geology, but and yeah, he's he some.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the big story there. Yeah,
0: well, that's that's but they're great. They're keeping
1: active, and they're pretty. They're really optimistic, and he sounds like a really switched-on guy. I really loved my conversation with him. And it was, it's neat to see, and I'm sure it'll all get resolved. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting everyone at the table and say, okay, well, guys, how are we going to figure this out, right?
0: Yeah, I know for sure. And it's a situation we, uh, as a news team, will continue to follow closely because it's uh, its very topical, especially for, for um, our friends in Ontario. So where our head office is located. So, mm. um, but yeah, so that has been our little uh well, I wouldn't even say it was intro; it was a fairly in-depth discussion on the Ring of Fire. So I hope I, that made sense. Yeah, I, it was great. I, I thought have no it, idea. it would die, but I'm leaving. Did you know it? Oh, uh, I knew a bit. I, mean, I knew more about the social side because I've covered a lot <laughs> of that before. But it, I wanted to ask you about chromite and and some of the iron formation stuff. So that's uh, that was awesome. So once again, this has been
1: Geology Corner
0: with Leslie Stokes.
1: Yay! <laughs> so awesome.
0: Yeah. And that's why I love the Geology Corner. Uh, We get to talk about some really awesome stuff, including a lot of uh, really good geology and science-related material, but we get to relate that through to the socio-economic, the political, etc., with these regions. And the ring of fire is definitively all those things. So it's really uh, interesting to have those sort of, uh, sort of deep digs on, uh, some of these jurisdictions and mineral belts, which is, it's fun. I like, I, I do enjoy it. Um, and once again, I'd like to remind everyone that this podcast is brought to you by the Yukon mining Alliance. Please do a surf by the Yukon mining Alliance website and check out all the exciting, uh, exploration and mining activity going on in the territory. And for this week, uh, a quick update. I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, uh, the employees who are recently, uh, you know, as as the Mint Capstone's Minto mine has been winding down, and they concluded open pit operations in late September. So there's some long tenured uh, employees and people who'd worked on the project who are uh, who are f- pretty much wrapping up their their time there. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody. It's uh, it's, it's, it's it's it is sad to see one of the uh, longer standing Western Canadian copper uh, open pit copper operations winding down. Um so yeah, uh, as we know, uh Capstone had announced previously that the open pit would be winding up around you know this time, and then the underground op- uh portion of the operation will be winding up next year. Um so it's just uh we, we always talk, you know, like where's the next hard rock mine in the Yukon? Uh as we know, uh the Wolverine zinc mine uh is currently uh on and maintenance hypothetically uh for the uh foreseeable future. Um and then we're we'll, uh, We are going to be losing minto, uh, probably, unless we see a significant uh, uptick in copper prices over the near term. Um, but as always, uh, we're well aware of the, uh, there's a lot of opportunity in the Yukon for uh, uh, someone to emerge, uh, a company to emerge as the next hard rock mine. We know Victoria Gold is fully permitted at their Dublin Gulch property. Uh, we know that Western Copper and Gold and their casino project is currently moving through permitting. Uh, that's that, it, that could be the next open pit copper mine uh, or gold mine, uh, depending on where metal prices are, the payable metal there could shift a little bit depending on metal prices um and so that pretty much concludes our show for the week uh as always please do uh surf by northernminer.com check out our website uh give the subscription section a gander uh it is a screaming deal as i always say to uh get a lot of really great insights on the industry you also get access to our canadian Mines handbook which is a uh, exhaustive uh pretty much encyclopedia of mineral properties um it's a really great value add i i I use it all the time as far as writing our stories are concerned um but also please do give us a uh a strong vote on itunes uh surf by our youtube channel uh and check us out on twitter because we are going digital and uh this has been the northern Miner podcast with matthew Keeble. thanks again and we will talk to you next week